Thank you so much, Will, for teeing me up in that way. Um, really good to see you, if I didn't get a chance to greet you on the door. Uh, if, we, if we haven't met, uh, my name is Tim, I'm the vicar here, as, as Will says, and a really warm welcome to you uh, online as well. Again, if we haven't met, great to see you. Thank you for tuning in. Um, and uh, I'd love, if you've got a, a Bible, probably on your phone or something like that, we're, I'm going to read from the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 4. And just a little paragraph at the end of that chapter, Hebrews chapter 4, and I'm going to read verses 14 to 16. But just while you're finding that, and just before I read it, to tee it up, the, um, we don't know who wrote the letter, um, and it wasn't necessarily to one particular church group as a number of the New Testament letters, it was to a, a number of Christians. And what uh, kind of held them all together is they, they had converted to Christianity from Judaism. They were, they were the Old Testament people of God, if you like, who had recognised Jesus as the Messiah. They saw in his life and particularly his death and resurrection. Um, some of them probably were there when they raised up from the dead or when they rolled away the, the stone or I can't remember the words now, but that song. Uh, and yeah, they were convinced. But one of the things, there are a number of things, uh, as they saw brothers and sisters and others around them being carried off the lions in the Colosseum, being martyred. Interestingly, Boxing Day, we've just celebrated the Feast of St. Stephen, one of the first Christian martyrs. We were all gorging on turkey leftovers, and the Christian church is remembering it is sacrificial to follow Jesus. Uh, and these Hebrew Christians were realizing that. And, and on top of that, we're thinking, well, what do we hold on to? And this is where I think. Scripture, as it spoke to them there then, speaks to us here now. Because they, they were just wanting something that's familiar in all the uncertain. That they'd been used to, to pilgrimages to Jerusalem, to feasts and festivals, to rites and celebrations that are, are richly woven in the annual tapestry of Judaism. And, and this, well, it was just called the way. It wasn't even called Christianity then. It, it kind of it's holding on to these fragments of teaching from this, this prophet Jesus. He says, you've heard it said, but I say, well, yeah, but what does that look like? What, what do we look like? What does it feel like to be a member of the way, a follower of Jesus? This is, this is quite hard. It's, it, there's, there's no route map. There's no path. There's nothing to kind of hold on to. And, and in that context, they were tempted to go, you know what? It was easier back then. Can't we, inverted commas, go back to normal, back to how it was when it was familiar. And the writer to the Hebrews says to them, there's no going back to normal. Christ has come, the light has come, he has forever changed, transformed the darkness. There's no going back. And I think the Spirit is saying to us today, through this letter and this little bit in particular, there's no going back to, to normal, whatever, we can't go back, we're going, we're going ahead, whatever that looks like, wherever it is, however we will be changed through that, we're, we're moving forward. And, and anyway, who's normal? Was normal so brilliant in so many ways anyway? It's time to readdress some of the injustices in our church, start at home, uh, in our city, in our society, in our nation, in the world. Uh, and this is the opportunity to press ahead. Therefore, verse 14 of chapter 4. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, so not Aaron or any of the other guys, Jesus supplants them all. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. 
For we do not have a high priest who's unable to feel sympathy for our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way just as we are, yet did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Just that last verse, 16 again. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Uh, Eugene Peterson puts it like this. I'll read the whole passage according to the message. Now that we know what we have, Jesus, this great high priest with ready access to God, let's not let it slip through our fingers. We don't have a priest who's out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing, experienced it all, all but the sin. So let's walk right up to him and get what he's ready, so ready to give. Take the mercy, accept the help. Tempted to, I have to be encouraged by Will's enthusiasm for 2021. I, I think I share it. <laughs> I, uh, but it, it, there is just so much you think. I mean, I, I love to be able to, to begin to roll out sort of plans and, and um, programs and all the sort of things, we, excitements we've got ready. But I, yeah, I don't know. At the moment, tier four, this is the only physical meeting we are allowed. We have exemption. We can't, we used, before Christmas, we were allowed. Um, uh, prayer group, or, or well, not so much prayer group, certainly life groups, I think we could just sneak in under old tier two and with that exemption, but that has explicitly been um, restricted from us now. I, you know, it, it, it's changing and it's uncertain and it's kind of literally dark out there, metaphorically quite dark out there. Where is the light and where is it shining? Where is it leading? I, I don't know what that does to you. It just for me, I, I, there's an element, if I'm honest, where I feel. Uh, yeah, a little uprooted, a little unsettled. I, I, I find there are questions and, and doubts that, that rise in me. There's a part of me that wants to charge into 2021. And there's a part of me that's asking, where are you charging? Um, how do you know? What's, what's going on? And so I come to the writer of the Hebrews. I come to this letter, let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence, or as Peterson puts it, let, let's come to him, receive the mercy, accept the help. That's the word for us, I think, now and in this next season. And to do it with confidence, where do I get that confidence from? How do you and I walk in that confidence into 2021? And I want to suggest that the tableau that we've had outside uh, through Advent and is still there. We're still in the Christmas season. We're still, in fact, the, the epiphany, the, the, the revelation to the Gentiles is uh, what we celebrate on January the 6th. So the, the Magi in particular are, are timely in appetite right now. But that has had a striking impact on all those who've passed by. I've overheard numerous conversations, particularly uh, young children pointing out to mom or dad or whoever they're walking by with, oh, look. It's Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus. There's the wise men. They're the shepherds. 
And I wonder if, as with a number of elements of the, that first Christmas, whether we've slightly domesticated the scene that we have depicted out there. You know, shepherds with their lovely, lovely fluffy sheep. Go on, you little bar lamb. You're so lovely. And shepherds say, we're lovely, lovely shepherds looking after sheep. Well, they weren't. You just do a little bit of digging around the history that back then, the shepherds were barred the vote. They were, they lived outside the city on the hills. They lived kind of with the sheep. They were ruffians. They were migrants. Um, they didn't really have, you know, homes or, or a, a rootedness. And so they would scavenge, which is a polite way of saying they'd thieve. They were bandits. You, you didn't want to confront a shepherd who was hungry or in some kind of need on a dark night on the outskirts of your town or village. The, the kind of society needed them because they looked after the sheep and sheep were important for sacrifices in the Jewish system. So you kind of needed shepherds, but we didn't want shepherds. No child in school aspired to grow up to be, oh yeah, I'd love to be an accountant or a lawyer. No, no, I want to be a shepherd. No, you didn't. We didn't want the shepherds. They were outsiders. Scandalous, actually, the story. Scandalous that these smelly, uncomfortable, rough villains should be among the first invited into the Christmas story. That the angels declare to them first the good news. And they say, oh, let's go and see. And then they tell others. Equally as scandalous to the people of God in those days is that the Magi, who were, were clearly not Jews, they, they, uh, Matthew tells us that they, as they see the star, they say, come, let us see this king of the Jews. They don't say, the, the, our king, let's go and see our king. It's, it's the king that belongs to another people, the, the Jewish people, not us. And unlike the shepherds, these are... Uh, probably the kings or magi astrologers, they, they, there's some sense of nobility or that kind of social worth to them. They're probably intelligent um, and articulate. They've been studying, gazing the stars. They take the risk. Mummy, where's, where's daddy going? Oh, he's, he's, just, he's going on a trip. Well, where's he going to? Well, he's, he's, he's following that star, right? Where's the star leading him? He doesn't know. He's just going to follow the star and see where it takes him. Okay, bye, Daddy. Weird. Off he goes. And, and this is, if the shepherds received mercy, this verse 16, to approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we might receive mercy, those that everyone else shuns and outcasts, God calls in. These guys receive grace. Will fantastic torches before Christmas on the, the significance of the gifts that the, the Magi bring, gold, the, the best they had. This, this, this is the best form of humanity in Jesus. Frankincense are kind of used in, in, in prayer, to, in the temple, to connect human beings with God. Jesus comes as our great mediator. Myrrh, an embalming agent associated with death, weird present for a baby. And, and weirder still that these guys outside of the kind of, you know, the people of God clique, if you like, that these outsiders, they, they somehow know to bring this present as a prophetic statement to the infant Jesus, making a declaration of what he will grow up to do through his death to, to bring God and man together. Wow, how did they know to do that? I've, I don't know, but I, I've, I, think it's, I think it's this grace. 
that God just generously gives out. Mercy and grace at the heart of God through Christ. Let us approach this God with confidence. He has mercy to those of us who feel outside because of whatever unworthiness or shame we may be carrying. Jesus has dealt with that. Or you, maybe you're outside because you've, you've come from, you come from another place, another worldview, your background, your upbringing, your education, your, whatever it might be. You're exploring, you're looking into these things. Jesus kind of, he gives you kind of like a, 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 an ushering wind. He gives you things that you maybe don't even realize you've been given to enable you to see who Jesus is. So I, the Christmas story back then was, was shocking and puzzling and it, it kind of wrong-footed everyone. Is, is this really God? Is this how God would act? I wasn't expecting him to act this way. Shepherds, magi, are the first on the scene? The first to receive this gift of a saviour born to us? So, so if we're feeling kind of out of kilter, we're feeling a little puzzled, a little disoriented now, I want to suggest we're in good company with, with these people back then. As the writer speaks to the Hebrews, so through the Spirit, he, he speaks to us. Yes, it's, it's confusing. Yes, it's puzzling. Yes, there's so much that we, we can't quite piece together. We, we can't kind of control, dictate. It's okay. Let us nevertheless approach the throne of grace with confidence. Let's receive his mercy and his grace, his, his generosity, his, his helping hand. I don't know whether you've, you've seen this. I've, 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 uh, a good friend of mine posts this poem every new year. And a few people have picked up on it this year. I've seen it two or three times. A poem written by Minnie Louise Haskins, um, which has come to be known as the gate of the year. And uh, often people sort of post it in a new year and so on. Um, it was actually written, um, I think it was 1919, 1920. Um, and its formal title, the title she, the poet, gave it um, is God Knows. And uh, you might recognize, I'll read the first first verse, you, you, you might recognize this. And I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown. And he replied, go out into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. That shall be to you better than light and safer than a known way. So I went forth and finding the hand of God trod gladly into the night and he led me towards the hills and the breaking of the day in the lone east. The darkness, the uncertainty, but nevertheless risk, step, tread into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God, Minnie Haskins says. That will be better to you than light and safer than a known way. Holding God's hand and being held by him is the source of being able to approach God's throne with confidence. 
to receive his mercy and receive his grace. Written in about 100 years ago, but this came to um, wider acclaim at the start of uh, the new year of 1939, when King George VI quoted this poem in his broadcast to the nation. He, he read this out to the whole nation at the start of the new year as part of his new year address. It's um, not quite sure, but it's reputed that um, his young daughter, Elizabeth, now our queen, actually gave it to him as a, as a teenage princess. I'll just read the next few verses because I think they're striking. So heart be still. What need our little life, our human life to know if God hath comprehension? In all the dizzy strife of things both high and low, God hideth his intention. God knows. His will is best. The stretch of years which wind ahead so dim to our imperfect vision are clear to God. Our fears are premature. In him all time hath full provision. Then rest. Incredible statement of faith from our king back then to the nation through the words of this poem. God knows as we step through the gate of the year. Of course, that, that year was, and, and, and Europe at the time, full of foreboding, the, the dark clouds of Hitler, the far-right fascism was sort of just rolling across Europe. The, um, the fear of yet another war, I mean, they wouldn't have known then it was going to be as cataclysmic as it turned out to be, but in living memory was the Great War, which, of course, they thought that would be over by Christmas. Heard that phrase before? And it lasted four years, Passchendaele, the Somme. I, it, 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 it triggered deeply in the psyche of the nation, and, and here is this, this, this gathering power rolling again. 1939 didn't break with huge amounts of hope for safety or security or peace or joy. Just as when King George VI recited this poem then, so maybe in some ways us now, our, our, our kind of complacency has been shaken uh, uh, the, the way in which we sort of root ourselves around certainty and, and control and knowledge has, has been undermined. That's what 2020 has done to us. And for, for all the things that have, have been awful of the last year, maybe underneath that, some of those things, some of that shaking, there's no bad thing if it gives birth to fresh hope in the God who offers his hand to us, to hold us, and to lead us, and to guide us, and to shape us, and to discipline us, not there, not now, yes, with them, or in that way, or to that extent, God knows. We've got lots of things we'd love to do here as a church as the year unfolds. I, I don't exactly know when or how 
we will do them. We'll certainly let you know, 60 seconds. If you're not on 60 seconds tuning in, you don't get 60 seconds in your inbox email on a Monday, then please just email hello at saintdianis.org.uk. We would love to have your details so that we can let you know all that's going on. Check out the website, uh, social media. We will try and communicate as best we can as and when we know. We will be praying. I think we'll, we'll remind us just at the end. Uh, the prayer meeting will start again. Tuesday morning, 7.30 on Zoom. Uh, absolutely, you know, we, we run it for an hour, 7.30 to 8.30, absolutely no shame if you come in late or leave early because of work commitments or family commitments or whatever it is. Uh, if you can just come for a few minutes to pray, one is so good just to touch in with the rest of the church family to be in God's presence over Zoom. As Nikki Gumbel has observed in the context of Alpha, the Holy Spirit is not confused by Zoom. Uh, and I would testify to that. Actually, it leads me to say we're running Alpha. That's one of the things we are doing online. It works incredibly well. We've, we've had a really small, um, small little group. Actually, I think I've, <laughs> I've loved it. I'm not sure I want to do a big Alpha anymore. It's just so good for the guests in the leisure and comfort security of their, of their own home or their own space. To, there's, there's a dynamic there that I think takes the power away from kind of us as provider in here, you know, come into our building and come and be sort of impressed by the way we host you. And, and, and they're always sort of guest. And that, that's taken away as a, there's, I love the sort of subtle power shift that there is. So there's a greater degree of ownership on the learning and discovery. Um, if you know anyone who's maybe said, well, I want to do Alpha, you know, because they've been working to a yesteryear model. Um, Alpha Online is a is a subtly different thing. Maybe the invite goes out again to a housemate or a colleague or a neighbour or a friend or to you yourself to come along um, and join others on Zoom. Wednesday the 20th at 7.30, we finish hard stop at nine. So there's certain things that God will be leading us in. The basics, prayer, exploration. But where is our confidence? in 2021 when when so much has been shaken and and, and stripped back H how are we confident to walk with hope into this new year it's in remembering that the light as will was saying the light has come light always dispels darkness it's, it's only a question of extent a, a little light pushes back quite a bit of darkness actually you know, the torch on your phone in a dark room, you can see quite a bit. But you turn on all the lights and the darkness flees. It's, it's not a kind of 50-50 or a battle. It's not like an arm wrestler's who will win, dark or light. Always light. Jesus, the light of the world has come. And so we can approach his throne with confidence. Not confidence in anything about us necessarily or innately, about all the kind of plans and schemes that we might have had, all the resolutions that we might be making. It's confidence in him and what he has done and achieved for us so that we might live in the mercy that he gives us and receive his grace, his enabling that ushers us on into the new year. His hand, God's hand through Jesus stretching down to us and inviting us to reach out and take hold. And as we hold onto his hand in the sure and certain knowledge that he will never let go of us.
we can step with confidence into 2021 and beyond. Amen.